Welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello everybody, it's Constructionist Podcast time, and I trust that you are being rooted and built up in Christ through His Word and seeking Him in prayer for wisdom and understanding of these times in which we live. And I'm glad that you are, and I'm seeking to do the the same thing. We really do live in perilous times, and it really is a challenge to sort of keep up with all the mayhem and all of the confusion and everything that's going on worldwide. And I sort of have taken an approach where I'm not obsessing about the news and knowing what's going on all the time, but I do want to be aware that it's in Christ through whom I am to look at the world around me. God knows what's going on. God's not surprised by any of this stuff, and we are told to not fear. We are told to walk in love and to uh, be an encouragement and a blessing to one another, and that is what I hope is happening in your life and also as you listen to these podcasts that you're being strengthened in your mind and in your soul and in your spirit. So I'm gonna, I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Read the scriptures, seek the Lord, seek his spirit and his wisdom and his power in your life. Uh, control what you think about and how you think about it and put into practice this idea of transforming your mind and not being uh, conformed to the world's thinking. So lately we've been going through a sort of a series, sort of a, a jumping in here and there of some of these ideas that revolve around what the world will be like before Jesus comes back. I am looking around me constantly and seeing that there is, as I just said, chaos and confusion here and there. And, you know, I grew up through the 80s and into the 90s. And so I've sort of seen what's gone on since the Reagan administration. And I love talking to older people about what it was like when they were younger in the 50s and 60s. And even when I lived in England, listening to people talk about what what it was like during the war, you know, back in the 30s and the 40s. Uh, it's always fascinating to me that how people just live their day-to-day life and they go about their business and the world changes and revolves and the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age, swings and flows and different generations have different outlooks on things. But the Word of God stays the same and the Word of God speaks to every generation, to every culture, to every age of man. And so what was written through the Spirit by holy men as recorded in the Bible, those things were written because God is Alpha and Omega. He sees the beginning and the end. He knows exactly through all of time what's taking place because he sees all of time at the same time. And it's hard for us to sort of imagine this kind of thing, but he really does see all of time at the same time. So he is able to interact with time and to orchestrate things as he sees fit. And there is a program and a plan taking place. 
So God made Adam and Eve in the garden in sort of a state of innocence, a kind of world where God wanted to be the center of that world and have relationship with mankind. But Adam and Eve walked away from that. And as a result of walking away from that, it's created within mankind a rebellious spirit against God. And so now I'm talking about generally, about mankind in general, okay, not individual people per se. And we certainly see this today as a, uh, of a, we, what we see when we look around is, a, is an overall societal rebellion against God, against the scripture. Um, ever since Darwinism reared its ugly head in the 1850s and has crept into the church, uh, there's been this watering down, this, this, this diluting of what the scripture says. How can we incorporate this with what the world believes, what science so-called teaches, this kind of thing. You know, the ideas of atheism and of billions of years that it, it was developed to undermine the scripture. Pure fantasy where these ideas came from. It started with people looking at geology and trying to understand where the hills and the rivers came from. And they talked about eons of time that it took to sort of carve this stuff out. And then Darwin came along and took these ideas of long periods of time and applied it to biology. But what he didn't, I guess, realize at the time or, or ignored was that his ideas of going from disorder to order is the exact opposite of what we see around us all the time. Everything goes from states of order to disorder. It takes brain power and serious thought and huge amounts of communication through architects and blueprints and contractors and subcontractors to build a building. As soon as everyone walks away, give it a hundred years, that building will be a dilapidated wreck because it takes, it takes brain power, it takes words, it takes mental thought and energy and material to create something. It takes time and a lack of uh, maintenance to let it fall to the ground. And that's just a fact. Everybody knows that. It's not a secret. Um, but it's the opposite that is what Darwinism tried to portray. So since that time, it's been a constant battle within the church and within God's people to fight against these ideas. And there's a, philosoph there's a philosophy behind it. There's a zeitgeist that's been building up a rebellion of God's, of people against God. And this rebellion has grown and grown and grown. So what we saw in society before the First World War in the 19-teens, <laughs> over 100 years ago now, society at that time had a kind of superior understanding of itself. It felt like it was the top of the food chain. It was the pinnacle of evolution. There was nothing the humans couldn't overcome. Science was going to solve all of the world's problems. And, then, and mankind was evolving and becoming better and more perfect. Then World War I struck, and humans mowed each other down with machine guns in the trenches. Guys came back from the war with post-traumatic stress. They were completely shaken. They were missing arms and legs. They died. Uh, after World War I, there was the flu epidemic that swept through Europe, uh, and it killed as many millions of people as the war killed. And everybody said that was the war to end all wars. And then... 30 years later, 20 years later, they had World War II. And you had this madman uh, named Hitler that, that just captured people's imaginations. 
and it swept through Europe and Nazism and, and Nazi socialism. This kind of thing just destroyed society as we knew it at the time and the horrors of the Holocaust took place. And all it could tell us really is that man is depraved in and of himself and that man needs God to redeem us. And a lot of people found God through these horrific events. But since World War II, there's been a, a sort of spirit of the age now that is against this idea of wanting to have a war. We want everything to be good and right and, and perfect, uh, but we still want to do it without God. And so we're almost getting back to a point of what it was like before World War I, that everyone, there is this idea that we're all innately good and that humans just need a little bit more technology and a little bit more time and we'll be able to solve world hunger and world problems and unemployment and let's put more money into the government, let's have the government dish out more money to people. Uh, event we'll, we'll crack it at some point. At some point we'll discover that the key to bringing about uh, you know, peaceful coexistence among humans, Let, let's go to Mars and we'll start again on Mars and this kind of thing. Um, that's not what the Bible teaches. So in light of the current world in which we live and our discussions of late about trying to be aware of the signs of the times and what is going to be like before Jesus comes back, let's just read what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5. So he says here, uh, so this is wrapping up his, his writing on the rapture. And which isn't a rapture, that's a whole other subject. I don't really like the word rapture because it's a Latin word and it's been misconstrued in its meanings. Uh, and there's people that don't, that, that they throw out the baby with the bathwater and they say there is no rapture because they don't like what the, the Latin term implies. The Greek word is harpezo and, it, and it's used here about being caught up and caught away from a dangerous situation. And the exact same word is used with the Apostle Paul when he's in the temple and a riot is coming to get him and he is snatched out of the riot to safety. He is harpezoed out of the riot. So Paul uses the same word here about being caught up together with, uh, those, with the, the people of God in the clouds. And then he jumps into chapter 5, verse 1, and he says, But concerning the times and the seasons, remember this is First Thessalonians 5, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. And when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So that's just verse 1 to 3. So Paul, there's two things here I want to point out. Firstly, he says the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. And then he says, like labor pains on a pregnant woman. So this idea of a thief in the night, he's repeating what Jesus says in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 and 25. Jesus talks about the Son of Man coming as a thief in the night. Paul uses the same phrase, as a thief in the night. This idea of suddenness, this idea of, well, it's nighttime, the house is shut down, everyone's in bed, but a thief comes in. And that thief steals from the household 
and you wake up in the morning or you wake up in the night and there's this terrible thing that's taken place and now your life is in ruin. Stuff's been stolen, stuff's been broken. Oh no, it's terrible. What are we going to do? We thought we were secure. We thought we were at ease. We thought it was peaceful. But a thief has broken in in the night and ruined our lives. So that's what he's, that's the, that's the picture that he's saying here. Because what does it say in verse 3? For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. So the, 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 the pronouns he's using is them and they, and it's a, it's a third party thing. He's talking about the people out there. He's not talking about believers. He's talking about somebody else. He's talking about the world. He's talking about the governments. He's talking about society out there that does not have the spirit of Christ, that, it, that rejects the scriptures and the witness in the scriptures. That's who he's talking about. He's saying that society and the press and the governments of the world will be coming to a point where they'll be saying, whew, we've achieved peace. We've achieved safety. And then, bam, there's going to be, the deception is going to be revealed. And there's going to be destruction. And it's like labor pains on a pregnant woman. Now, think about labor pains here for a minute. For all of you women out there who have had a baby, and all you husbands out there who have watched your wife have baby have babies, like I have, labor pains come slowly, but they get more intense in strength and they get more frequent in time so it is an intensity and a frequency that grows before the baby comes so even though the way this reads is almost like it happens suddenly there's warnings that take place there's things taking place in advance of the peace and safety so it implies that the peace and safety doesn't last very long it's a very, very brief peace and safety. A kind of, oh, no, I've got a, oh, good, I've had a break now from all of this turmoil, and then suddenly, bam, this last push happens, and out comes the baby. This is what Paul is, this is the picture that Paul's drawing up for us, and this is what he's saying that society will be like before Jesus comes back. And then he says, verse 4, now this is a shocker, because if you're a believer, if you love the scriptures, if you are anticipating the Lord coming, then this verse is for you. He says in verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day, what day is he talking about? Verse 2, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. So you Christians should know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. Because they are going to say peace and safety. They are going to have this sudden destruction come upon them. They are not going to escape. But you, brethren, Christians, believers, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. What is he talking about? Jesus said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. He'll come back as a thief in the night. It's supposed to be unknown. It's supposed to be a secret. It's supposed to be sudden. It's supposed to be when we think everything is going to be okay, and then suddenly it's not okay. What's going on? Paul is adding this revelation that if we are believers, we're not in darkness. We're not in the night. Now, remember, when Jesus said that, he said it to Jewish 
people. He said it to his Jewish disciples. He was speaking about mainly Jewish things. So Israel, actually on the whole, Israel has, as a nation, rejected the Lord Jesus. They don't accept him as, a, as the Messiah. Now, there are Jewish people within Israel that do accept him as the Messiah, and they are believers. They are not going to be caught out. They are walking in the light. But Jews as a whole in Israel and around the world are in darkness because they have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. So Jesus was speaking primarily about that kind of thing in regards to the his return. Paul here is addressing believers, whether Jew or non-Jew. He's addressing believers and saying, you are not in darkness, you are in light. We are, verse. let's read it again, verse 4, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. So this idea of a thief in the night that Jesus brings up and Paul reiterates, Paul clarifies more. We are not going to be caught out as a thief in the like a thief in the night, catches out the people he's thieving from. He says in verse 4, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. If we're believers, we're walking in the light of the Lord. We're seeking Him. When God spoke, the first thing God spoke in the Bible is, Let there be light. God's desire is for humanity and every individual in it to live in the light, not in the dark. He separated dark from night. So don't go into darkness if you call yourself a Christian. If you're a believer and you say that, uh, and you give in to the ideas of the world and think that there's no rapture coming and think that it's still a long way off and you're fearful, you're, you're in darkness. You need to read the scriptures. You need to seek the Lord. You need to bolster your faith in the word of God. And you need to say, right, I am not giving in to the, the words of the world that are in darkness. I want to give in. I want to be in the light. So, uh, verse 5, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So Paul now is specifically including himself in this. Verse 6, therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. It's a terrible thing when the watchman falls asleep. If a watchman falls asleep, the castle is stormed and everybody in it dies. So we cannot be sleeping. We have to be watchful. Jesus actually in the book of Luke says, watch and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape. So there's a, there's actually quite a big, there's a seriousness, there's a heaviness attached to this idea of watching, to being a believer, to paying attention to the signs of the times. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Let's back up to verse 6 again. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So verse 6 there says that we need to be sober or self-controlled. So if we are not self-controlled, if we swing whichever way we want to whatever whim catches our fantasy, even if we call it the spirit, then we're actually in a, in a state of sort of drunkenness. It's not a good state to be in. So alcohol is a, um, it takes away inhibition. It, it, 
lessens all of your defenses and so you are easily manipulated. That's one of the things alcohol does and it's a depressant. So it causes you to fall asleep is what it does. You don't want to be that way. Those who are drunk are drunk at night because that's typically when people start drinking their alcohol is in the evening and then you have these drunken orgies and these parties where people become fools in a sense and that's when all the cops show up and you get arrested for public intoxication and you end up in jail and all your friends laugh at you and they think that you're an idiot and you go I was a bit stupid wasn't I because in the morning when you sober up you realize that you were dumb about the whole thing so this is the picture but this kind of thing can happen Uh, Because Paul's, again, talking to believers here. Let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. And whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So Paul's encouraging the church of the Thessalonians, and I want you to read this and be encouraged today that there is a necessity for watching, a necessity for being prayerful, a necessity for not being asleep. People who sleep in the Lord are people who have died. People who are asleep are people who should be awake, but they've fallen asleep. But if you, if, if you as a believer have already physically died, which I guess you wouldn't be listening to this if you have, uh, but I was thinking of my dad because my dad passed away about nine years ago. And so in, in Christ, he is sleeping. But my job is to not be asleep. So if your physical body dies, you sleep in Christ. We are awake. We should not be asleep is what Paul is talking about. Um, we need to be awake. We need to be watchful. We need to be seeking the Lord. We need to be putting on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. So these are the things that we're after. Our heart needs to be filled with faith and love. Our head needs to be filled with an understanding of salvation. Salvation has both a past and a present and a future sense. We, are, we were saved. The potentiality of our salvation came when Jesus died on the cross. And we put our faith in what he did in the past. Our current salvation is that we go to him for the renewing of our mind, for the strengthening of our soul, for overcoming the day-to-day challenges of the world, both psychologically and emotionally and physically and all these things, relationally, marriageally, parentally, workily, all that kind of stuff. That's our daily salvation that we find in Christ. And there's a future salvation that's coming when either we die, like my dad has, but his salvation, he rested in Christ for his salvation, or we're alive and we're caught up together with him in the clouds, and then that will be the day of our salvation from this world. And then we will be transformed into a whole new body and a whole new life, and that'll be a glorious day. And so this is your encouragement. Do not be caught out as a thief. Watch, pray, read the scriptures. Watch, pray, read the scriptures. Make sure that you are actively seeking the Lord for understanding of the days in which we are living. Do not be in darkness, but be in light. If you've given in to this sort of Rob Bell emergent church idea that doubt is hip and cool, then you need to repent of that. 
seek God in the scriptures. The Bible is firm. The Bible is true. The Bible is reliable. It gives us an accurate representation of sinners and saints, and it tells us who God is. It tells us what the devil is doing. We are able to be alive in Christ here and now today. That's what we're after. So God bless you. Be encouraged. Read the scriptures. Pray. We look forward to hearing from you. If you want to email me, you can at CalebTheElectrician at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And be sure to take advantage of our course that we have. Uh, There's links in the show notes that you can click on. It'll take you to the page where you can take advantage of our understanding understanding how to interpret the Bible course. So God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.